that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where Lower the Friction comes in by putting a protective, lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. People across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to LowerTheFriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's LowerTheFriction.com. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Secrets of Saturn live stream. I am Jason Lindgren, your host. This week, we have the return of the great Baldini, as well as Crow777 and... Wayne McCroy. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having us. Indeed. Anyone Good got anything clever? Everybody. All right, so let me pull up the document we're going over this week. I'll drop it in the chat again so everyone has it. Do, do, do. 
By the way, I saw two Super Chats come in. Thank you so much, guys. That's really cool of you. We don't get yeah, many man. of them, so it's, it's cool when people do it. Thank you. All right, there is this week's document. It is called Transhuman Crypto Cloud Mines. That just sounds and boy, like is a, it a doozy. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Woo! There's the understatement of the night right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anyone got any opening remarks they want to make before I dive headlong into this? It's snowing. Yeah, hey, two, yes, two, two of our people here are getting buried under a foot of snow right now. Baldini and I are just like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but you're gonna see a, a lot about uh, block, blockchain, game theory, uh, and uh, gobbledygook uh, in, the, in this document. Oh, lots of that for sure. Yeah. A lot, a lot of gravel. I'm quite certain. I haven't read this yet, other than just glancing at it. But I'm quite certain they're going to tout the wonderfulness of it all. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, look how oh, awesome yeah. this is. Oh. Uh, this is so sciencey. We got this super smart computer. It's super sciencey. <laughs> yes, indeed. Science. Oh, man. Science. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. You want to kick this thing off? Yeah, you want to kick the pig? Let's do. Let's do. <laughs> let's Time do the abstract. Kick the pig. All right. Considering the mutual benefits of blockchain and transhumanism, this essay proposes crypto cloud mines as a safe mechanism by which the human mind might transcend <laughs> its unitary limitations by permissioning partial resources to join a multi-party mind comprised of human and machine minds in a cloud-based environment. Cloud mines could have diverse purposes, including problem solving, Addressing future of work issues with Maslow smart contracts. I don't know what that is, but that sounds interesting. Learning, experience, exploration, innovation, artistic expression, and other personal development activities. Crypto cloud mines could be multi-currency operating with payment remuneration, security, and especially ideas as the denominations of measure. For thriving in the future, mind node peers could enter yes and payment channels with one another for collaborative idea development. For surviving in the future, good player behavior could be game theoretically enforced with the simultaneous privacy transparency property of blockchains together with the immutable peer-confirmed consensus algorithm and audit log checks and balances system. Overall, blockchains might serve as an institu institutional technology that is the basis for treaties and progress in a multi-species society of human, algorithm, and machine, guiding the way to positive transhuman futures. I feel like I just watched an episode of The Expanse or something. Right? Head in the clouds, right? It's not yeah. what they used to say, now it means something. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> nice. Nicely done, Crow. Yeah. Yeah, I like how they begin with the premise that uh, transhumanism is a positive thing. They just uh, – let's just make that – that's a that's an assumption. We just begin with that. So logical fallacy to begin with. Well, let's, let's just say that they do indeed uh, – it's like it's like a, a science for them – or excuse me, not a science, a religion for them. Yes. Absolutely. It, it is. It certainly is. Are, are you guys ready for a multi-species society of human, algorithm, and machine? Well, yeah, let's we talk about that a moment, shall we? Don't we already kind of have one? We have uh, people and sheeple. 
<laughs> sort of, yeah. But I mean, man, none, of them, about, yeah. none of them are on the blockchain. <laughs> Never, not yet. Give it time. <laughs> the blockchain. This is like if you thought the whole concept of of the way they they've been pushing this whole transgender thing was bad. Wait until they start pushing the transhuman thing hardcore like this, because that's what they're using that whole transgender kind of push to uh, get across uh, to is to this transhuman push for things. Um, that's, that's kind of why they're, they're so, actually, they've put such a, a, a primary focus on that overall segment of society because they want to get people ready for, you know, this uh, multi-species society, like uh, different kinds of human beings existing, like different species of humans coexisting together, ones that are partially grafted with machines and machine algorithms and artificial intelligence and, uh, you know, all kinds of other weird stuff like that. And, uh, so the, you know, the trans Overton window, if you will. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly why. Uh, they've kind of uh, tried to mainstream this whole idea, and that's kind of where they're they're shifting focus here coming up is with this because they see this as the overall big thing. Like there's going to be, um, you know, this interconnected artificial intelligence grid where you could kind of uh, – um, how, how do I want to say this? Like uh, you could enter your mind into contract with other minds – in a collaborative way. That's exactly what they're talking about here. Um, and they're, they're really touting this whole transhumanist idea as being a good thing. And they're also uh, touting this blockchain idea as being the excellent and most uh, beneficial tool to do it. Um, and, you know, neither one of those things, even by themselves, the ideas of transhumanism or blockchain, in my view, is leading to anything that I would consider uh, a... Uh, technology that would lead to more freedoms for the human being it's the exact opposite of that uh it's, so it's permanent slavery yeah it, it, it flies it flies in the face the only escape routes that we've ever seen documented back in time uh and i would ask a simple question what happens to gender in the blockchain um and if you can't answer that question then it's perpetual slavery mm-hmm well, I'm curious about um, the Maslow smart contracts. I'm familiar with um, b both the Maslow hierarchy of needs and a smart contract. I don't know what a Maslow smart contract can. Can you help me out, Wayne? That one, I, I meant to look into those a little bit more deeply and see. But uh, my assumption is that uh, basically it's something designed to get people to be in agreement to perhaps a, a certain goal or task at mind and uh, be able to meet their needs that way. Because you'll see as we go through the document here later, they're talking about not only using this blockchain technology uh, to bring these minds together, to work together in a kind of um, group mind type environment, but it's also going to be tied to the currency, the, the money system. Mm -hmm. And uh, You'll see how this all ties together. So it'll be a reward system for people uh, to uh, utilize their ideas and collaborate their ideas together in a group mind type situation. Mm -hmm. So there will be monetary reward tied to it as well. And we'll see that as we get along here. And also, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, further down, they talk about uh, – you know how good behavior can earn you money and stuff like that and how oh, it ties... social credit score yeah, yeah social credit and all of that stuff gets tied in with this too we'll see it's it's really overarching this this document i thought was excellent uh to show people 
just the direction that this stuff could go. I mean, if they they really thought that this whole uh, uh, Bitcoin thing was, you know, we're we're being silly by by thinking they're going to use it for something like this. Here it is. It's in black and white right here. So, you know, this is the kind of stuff that these people discuss at the topmost levels of the power structure here. Uh, These are the ideas they want to push. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting um, marriage of words there, putting, uh, again, Maslow's hi- hierarchy with um, smart contracts, which primarily has to do with the blockchain and cryptocurrency. So it's a strange, strange uh, combination of wording there. So a smart yeah, contract. Yeah, definitely a reward system. Yep. I found what a smart contract is, generically speaking. Uh, smart contracts are computer programs stored in a blockchain. They can be used to automate the unstoppable transfer of crypto tokens between users according to agreed-upon conditions. Oracles, that's right, an oracle, are real-time data feeds that deliver things like weather data, currency, exchange rates, airline flight information, and sports statistics to smart contracts. Right. So that's what we were talking about. The smart contract exists on, on its own. It's the combination of the, of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs that, uh, with that, that just... It, that's why I was unfamiliar with putting those together. So well, you might want to why they would do that. You might want to explain what Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs is for some of the the listeners here, so they understand what that's about. Oh, okay. Um, so basically, the the basic premise is that uh, there's a hierarchy of needs, so you cannot um, focus on or even think about an uh, external need until one of the more basic needs are satisfied. Um, it's often represented as a pyramid. Um, when I learned it, it was really a concentric circle of need. Um, so basically, here's the you know I mean there's um, basic you know physiological and psychological needs that you need safety, love, esteem, self-actualization, food, water, that sort of stuff. But the the basic premise is you're not thinking about um, a Ferrari if you don't have anything to eat. And you're not even thinking about food if you don't have water, if you're not even thinking about water if you can't breathe. So the most basic needs must be satisfied first uh, in order for motivation to come for um, higher needs. So it's a hierarchy of needs um, that begins uh, at the most basic level with having those most basic needs satisfied. Oh, and uh, it's commonly used, you know, in um, psychology. However, Maslow himself spent uh, more than a decade uh, as an inpatient <laughs> in, a, in a psych ward. So we got that going, huh. which is nice. I just looked uh, it up, but... actually. This is interesting. He looks mm-hmm. smashing in a tweed jacket, too. Indeed. Uh, the psychologist Abraham Maslow's theory of human motivation is over 70 years old, but continues to have a strong influence on the world of business. What is it, and is it right? And you just indeed explained it. It, it starts with... Well, it shows a pyramid. It says five is self-actualization, four is esteem needs, three mm-hmm. is social needs, two is safety needs, and one is physiological needs. Yeah, and again, when I first learned it, it was concentric circles, right? So you had the most basic needs at the inside. And interestingly enough, while love is there, um, acceptance actually precedes that because you don't accept love if you don't believe you're accepted. Um, so, and then you get into the, you know, the the larger needs. But yeah, I when I learned it in the hmm, early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, um, it was uh, presented as concentric circles. But uh, yeah, they do it now as a pyramid or a triangle. Okay, so if I could read between the lines right here, what it's telling you is if you want your basic needs met, you're going to do what they say in this system under this smart contract. Um, oh, yeah, that's, 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 that's an interesting. Infer- that's an interesting inference that you don't get. You don't get your stuff if you don't play along. Uh, uh, do you see how interesting? This 
Uh, yeah, that's that's Orwellian. <laughs> yeah, uh, though, isn't it? Uh, well, Gregory. actually, on the blockchain, um, the human needs pyramid falls apart because it doesn't exist. Yeah, right. Exactly. Especially if you're in a virtual world, right? I mean, all the right. uh, all the uh, dystopian movies of people, you know, sitting there in a corner with the VR set on. Um, yeah, combine that with uh, the drugs of a Brave New World. Little soba, and you're all set. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's actually something they've been pushing for a long time, especially as strange as this sounds in the ufology circles. They've been pushing that idea for quite a long time, and I can't remember what it is I read. It might have been one of those uh, um, silly Billy Meyer things I read at one point or another. But but one of the stories that they gave was the uh, the aliens were impressed with the way that we were able to construct uh, different things out of materials and stuff here because they were used to just being able to just manufacture things artificially like in a, uh, a kind of uh, holographic type way. And they described their society as they, they didn't have these big houses or nothing like that. They're, they're uh, living spaces were very meager because they basically just sat around all day in this virtual reality type of a setting. And this, this is going back. These are stories going back to like the 1970s or something. Uh, if I remember right, I don't remember exactly where it was, but that's something that always stuck with me is even in uh, this alien nonsense, UFO field stuff that's been pushed for uh, generations. Now um, you see, they were pushing and touting this idea of, you know, the aliens, they're so super intelligent uh, that they just they don't need all the, the basic needs that we have. Like they don't need this this house to live in and to have all, all the food in the refrigerator and stuff like that. They just basically sit around tied into a computer all day. Um, and that's that's kind of the thing they were pushing. I, I think sure. it was some of the Billy Meyer material with the Pleiadians or something like that, if <laughs> I remember correctly. I'm but sure that always kind of involved somewhere <laughs> does it have anything to do with uh, blue chicken people uh, i'm perhaps. sure it probably might i don't know those blue but, chicken uh, people man. hey guys take but a look not... at the uh the, the chat the skype chat oh okay i was gonna uh do the quick uh shout out yeah the happy birthday shout out to chaser so there it is happy birthday chaser happy birthday <laughs> chaser also, sax no free. You rock. Absolutely. Happy birthday. That's the, the way you best. do it, man. Take the 33 out of vaccine. That's right. Man, outstanding. Well done, Chase. Um, your, your parenting uh, right. Got, got that going on for sure. Keep that Absolutely. up. Um, to, to pull back around here, there's an obvious agenda in all this kind of trans ideas. In every tradition around the world, to get to enlightenment or heaven or to escape samsara or to escape the cycle of rebirth or any number of ways you could say it across almost any tradition. The very last step, it depends on human imagination. So you can ask a simple question. Can human imagination in a cloud change the rules of the code, which we all know it can't. And so that is the proof of virtual prison and that is the proof of people who clearly have to understand ancient traditions. Some of them have to. Um, this is a way to permanently cage the human mind. 
Couldn't agree with you more. I see that as being the absolute end game to all of it, even though, uh, you know, the claims are made and, you know, that's probably partially true that these technologies could be used for some very good things. Uh, I think that is the total end game is, you know, total imprisonment of the human mind. Uh, that's you, you what it's yeah, all about. You won't find the top of the pyramid playing this game. That's for certain. Well, unless their their e-ticket is no longer punched, unless they know this is it and they don't get to go any further, then, then maybe. But beyond that, no way. Yeah, and that leads to other philosophical questions as well, because if this is their end game and their e-ticket's been punched and they're stuck here, this, this is it for them. This is their only chance uh, to find any kind of ascendance. But uh, it's not really a true ascendance when they're holding everybody else down. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's well, the, really yeah, leveling the, the, the playing field for themselves. The only sentence they can do is through levels of code. They certainly, you know, they can't they can't make a fortune like the rest of us can on the as above so below idea. Um, they can't even interact with that ancient archetype um, because you're in code now, and code is the antithesis of nature. And to react. To the idea of what's above or the divinity uh you have to be within nature not only do you have to be within nature you have to understand how nature works and work with it and become i don't want to say obedient but you have to become benign within the system working with it not against it in other words these very same geniuses that are going down this road are also the people who create things like tesla or rocket ships which all exist on the idea of destruction of matter um all the energy designed by these corporations and these families the fords the rockefellers all the things they have funded exist on the back of the destruction of matter so what they do is they take some form of matter whether it's wood steam water gas whatever it is they destroy the matter and the energy that comes off that they capture and they run their grids with it, and they run their cars with it, which is what we buy to move around. The point is, is that, too, is antithetical to the natural system, uh, the destruction of matter to get energy. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can see who's doing this and what they're up to, and they just keep going further down the same track to nowhere. And interesting that they call it power. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's it, true. It, it's actually not, well, they, it, it's power in a, perverse way because they have the power to do destruction that's the power that's the extent of the power and the thing is they use the archetype of fire to achieve all those things Mm -hmm. and that's another thing that's the negative use of fire and you know you could you could see how uh it's really dominated our society and you're absolutely right it's like all the energy forms that they use to power everything around here is all this combustion type uh, technologies, these destroying technologies, the destructive, yeah. Yeah, and so if you could look so, back, and that was one of the things that um, I was fascinated with in studying, uh, doing the research on water, is guys like Schauberger and others um, focusing on implosion versus explosion. And this was a, a big movement in the late 19th century, early 20th century, uh, to, to look at implosion versus explosion technologies, and they all agreed, uh, especially many of these Austrian and um, German scientists, uh, they all agreed that explosion was 
uh, unnatural uh, and harmful to the environment and that uh, nature is implosive uh, and always creates during that process. And so they were using water and a variety of other uh, means to demonstrate this. Uh, and of course, it immediately got buried um, thereafter because <laughs> we're not supposed to know about that stuff. Right? Well, here, here's the here's the crossover and it's even just in the language. Um, the word that, that Wayne was putting out there was explosion. And the word you added was implosion. If we took that to the spiritual realm of a human being, we'd be talking about explosion matching exoteric mm. and implosion esoteric. Now, if you take the religion of the West, uh, almost everybody that I know has been taught in the exoteric meaning or the surface narrative or the pretty stories, mm. um, surface reading of the Bible. If you want to get the high value path of a human being you have to get to the esoteric and that even even the idea of divinity and spirituality in a human being shows that it's parallel to the idea of how we get energy um, most of us are still living on an exoteric explanation of western religion which does not get you all the way so wayne in your research <clears throat> what have you come across with ties between Luciferianism, Satanism, and all that sort of thing, and the transhumanism movement. Oh, they're they're very interlocked at very many different levels. Uh, basically, Why am the transhuman I not surprised. <laughs> the transhuman philosophy is actually just a uh, uh, a modern incarnation of a Luciferian type of a, a an idea. Uh, so you know, I, I mean, you could trace this stuff all the way back. Once again, to the ancient mystery schools, and I pointed out some of the ties in a recent video I just posted on my channel uh, just earlier this week. Um, I was reviewing a text called Mystic Masonry, and in that text, the author talked about the quote-unquote secret doctrine. And I was able to draw some connections between the modern advent of transhumanism and how it ties all the way back to the ancient mystery schools. So people might want to check that out for a little bit more detail about that what some of the beliefs are of the people that sit at the top of this power structure that put these kind of things in place and, and put these ideas out there and uh, you know exactly what they're all about and uh, what all the things that they uh, quote to us as being science are all about all right let's move on to the next section <laughs> <clears throat> Transhuman Problem, Context, and Blockchains as a Solution This essay understands transhumanism to be the idea that the human race can evolve beyond its current physical and mental limitations, especially by means of science and technology. Kurzweil's view is that the transhuman future will be a convergence of artificial intelligence, machines, and intelligence augmentation, humans. This is also his answer to the friendly artificial intelligence AI question, namely that unfriendly AI will not quote-unquote take over the world or make paperclips and strawberry fields because humans and AI will become the same thing. Reformulating Kurzweil's convergence argument, at least the immediate future is more likely to be one of a multi-species society with various permutations of human, algorithm, and machine. Thus, one of the most pressing near-term challenges is evolving into a multi-species society in ways that support the success of all. 
This is going to entail agreements such as treaties and enforcement mechanisms that produce good player behavior in large-scale network environments, including contracts, penalties, and reputation systems. The governance systems of the future may be based on game-theoretic incentives to coordinate large groups of actors as opposed to policing and force, which may be practically impossible, costly, and otherwise infeasible. Blockchains are a future-class technology that supports these needs. Such distributed ledgers are a new form of smart network and global computational infrastructure that might be used to implement safe, empowering, and enlightening, enlightening transhuman futures. Now, um, we did have a question here from Alex. Let me pop back up. Well, if your focus is on playing video games or anything else in virtual reality, will you care or even know that your mind is being caged? I guess if the hot and pockets don't run out, huh? I, my guess is probably not. I mean, it, it's going to get to the point where eventually you won't be able to tell virtual reality from what regular reality is, especially in this augmented reality type system they plan on building. And this is tying together real world places and landmarks with uh, – the digital age, and I, I explored this a little further in a, a video that I posted a couple weeks back called Mirror World on my channel, because uh, this is exactly what it talks about. It talks about setting up this this virtual reality, augmented reality system so that, like, you know, if you're walking down the streets downtown, um, there's actually virtual things there that you could interact with through your virtual goggles or whatever in the real physical space and vice versa. And it could actually affect the real systems and stuff there, like real things. Like you could um, make the stoplight or something change just by, uh, you know, pushing the virtual button and that kind of thing, things of that nature. Um, so uh, think about Pokemon Go. Think about what a big deal that was a couple of years ago. Well, you're talking about that on steroids here now because they're talking about merging these game ideas into physical reality here through this augmented reality system. And that's one of the things that they explore here, and that's one of the technologies they're talking about. And you'll notice that they uh, like to reference game theoretical concepts and stuff here and incentives. You see how this is going to work? Um, what, what does it say here? It says... Uh, they, they want enforcement mechanisms that produce good player behavior in a large-scale network environment, including contracts, penalties, and, here's the important one, reputation systems. That's your social credit score, folks. That's what's coming here. It's all going to be tied together through this augmented reality infrastructure. It's not just going to be, you know, within a virtual world. They're going to tie this to the real world, too, and tie it directly to your finances as well. Uh, so, like anything you do... Um, you know, it's it's going to be on this blockchain utility. The, everybody will know everything. It's not going to be something that's going to be private record. Privacy is a dead issue. There's no such thing anymore. Um, there's no such thing as privacy. Uh, whether we would like to believe we have a little bit of privacy or not, it's getting to the point where, like, this stuff is – these technologies are so invasive at this point that privacy is a dead issue. And everything is going to be on the blockchain. So there's never going to be any data loss or anything like that. Uh, so they'll know every move you make and everything you ever spent a penny on and all that kind of stuff along with this. And they'll know what kind of games you like and they'll steer you into this gaming world reality. See, that's well, the thing. They're trying to make it in an interactive kind of a, a thing here. Like most people like to either, you know, watch movies, play games, that kind of stuff for their entertainment needs or, you know, for their entertainment wants, I should say. 
they, they like to spend their time that way. Well, they're going to make it an immersive, interactive environment where you're constantly in this state of entertainment because that way you're more easily controlled and they really don't have to worry about uh, what you're going to do to upset the cradle of power, do they, if you're busy playing games? <clears throat> there's, so, there's, there's a way you can demonstrate the evil nature of what's going on if you've looked at all the other cultures from long ago that have told us what they discovered. One of the basic tenets of where we're headed is the idea of virtual reality. The thing about virtual reality is when you put it on your face, um, you've seen people put it on and they think they're falling. They're standing in their living room and yet they fall down. There's the illusory nature. Um, Your brain or their brain at that point cannot put together that it's complete illusion And so the problem remains in what we were taught from all the older traditions before the Vatican got a hold of us all before we went into the Renaissance. The five senses of a human being prevent the vast majority of us from understanding that where we live right now is an illusion. And they try to illustrate it, which doesn't get you there. You have to work hard to get there, is that a rock and a cloud are the same thing, except a cloud will disappear much more quickly than the rock. And since neither of those two things has permanence, they have no intrinsic reality. If you think about that, you can understand that that is factually true. So we're all living in illusion when you begin to go down this road. To escape the cycle of the hardship and necessity of this illusion we're all born into, you have to control your five senses to get in sync with the reality that we have to work with. Virtual reality, the blockchain, everything we're talking about here is the dark side and it goes the other way. It works on fooling your mind further and further and further into illusion. True enough. All right, let's see. Let's get And make no mistake, just to not put too fine a point on it, but uh, all the things that uh, Wayne says is coming (laughs) in terms of what they track, that's already here uh, and has been for uh, some time. But uh, again, make make no mistake about it that your social credit is going to be how well you agree with the mainstream narrative. (laughs) You know, and so uh, anyone who has any... Which is probably being formulated right now. Yeah. So, so, you know, we see it already uh, with those uh, out there sort of on social media or in the world uh, where they are being, you know, programmed and um, basically it's, you know, emotional blackmail that you're going to be uh, shoved off the train if you don't accept uh, the narrative. And so you're not allowed to have any dissenting thoughts or uh, any different ideas or you get cancel culture. And um, this is kind of where we're going is if, you, again, you if you um, even question the narrative, then you'll get a, a big ding on your social credit score and you can't buy Red. So, well, think think about the mousetrap nature of it. So all the data is collected, and as Wayne was alluding to, they know everything about you. If they know you're a person that is likely to have a sex addiction, look how easy the mousetrap will be baited. And I would ask another question: If you're in virtual reality and you engage in pedophile, have you broken a law? You can see how perverse this could become, and how a person that's already been drugged just so far into illusion can so easily be manipulated. Yeah, and isn't that, I mean, what you're talking about there, Crow, isn't that exactly what they do with all the secret societies and yes. um, and the mafias, right? What they do is yes. uh, they drag you in. They, they give you a little bit of what they of what you want, and then they blackmail you with it, and now they've got you. And so it's either uh, it either becomes the stick or the carrot. You can continue and get paid and do well, or we can shove you under the bus. You've got, it's an easy choice because they've, <laughs> they've already got you, right? So, uh, yeah, this is exactly what they do. Um, and uh, if you want a, just a, a big mainstream 
version. Uh, just look at the look at the biography of um, Lyndon Baines Johnson. He was famously known uh, for for this. He would give somebody you know a political uh, t- token. He he offer somebody a gift that they didn't ask for, uh, and as soon as they accepted it, they they were beholden to him for a lifetime. Right. Uh, and that's a very simple version. But, yeah, you give somebody sex or drugs or uh, something illegal uh, and you've got them. Yeah. And that's pretty much how, uh, you know, a lot of our politics works, first of all, uh, when that goes without saying um, you don't get into uh, the big picture of politics without being blackmailable. So, uh, sure. yeah, uh, that's the same thing. That's how a lot of these secret societies and stuff operate. Well, uh, you don't you don't get into politics while you're a decent person. Let's let's be no, that's yeah, for right. Sure. Yeah. You, yeah, you are not a decent person if you're going to engage in what it takes to go very high there. I mean, it's one thing to be the mayor of your little town; entirely another to head to a state position or a federal position. Exactly, and it's often been said, right? Are there no honest politicians? And so the answer is, well, I'm sure there were once many honest candidates. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, probably. <laughs> Yeah, you you um, the nature of politics is compromise, and you can't have any ethics if you do that. And so it's all about backroom deals, all of it. And so you're always gonna you can always find a way to justify. Um, but yeah, there's a um, a great book if you want to do some research uh, called "Mistakes Were Made, But Not by Me," uh, and it uh, basically delves into the idea of the slippery slope of um, you know uh, moral compass drift. Uh, it, it never, it, it well, say never. It rarely comes in one big step. It always comes by degrees, uh, and it's always justifiable. It does. It doesn't take a genius to understand that if you're going to go down in the sewer, you're going to get covered in shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the way you put it. <laughs> Indeed. All right, so a blockchain, also known as a distributed ledger technology, is an immutable cryptographic or cryptography-based distributed peer-to-peer decentralized network consensus-driven ledger. Conceptually, blockchain technology is a software protocol for the instantaneous transfer of money and other forms of value, such as assets, contracts, public records, identity credentials, and program states, globally via the internet. What it can't do is make you coffee. Just as Mm. SMPT, or Simple Mail Transfer Protocol, is an internet-based software protocol for transferring email, blockchains are a protocol for transferring money. However, the transfer of assets requires a few more bells and whistles than simply transferring files on the internet. Blockchains provide an always-on apparatus that checks asset registration and ownership in real-time to make sure that only one unique instance of an asset is transferred, avoiding the double-spending problem that multiple copies of digital money might be sent to different parties. All right. Well, this this also is is kind of stepping around one thing that a system like this requires, and that would be the online passport. In other words, you want to be online or do anything in the digital system, you will identify yourself absolutely in some way, and that will be tied in the same way when you get in your car, any cop can figure out who you are, where you live, what your address is. A similar thing will have to go on for this system. There will be no anonymity ever, ever again. Absolutely. And they will tie it directly to biometrics. And that's exactly what the plan is. And that's why this whole, you know, pandemic situation that we're in right now, that's what the excuse is to roll this kind of thing out. That way they get uh, all your genetic uh, 
information and your genomic information and your biometric information all into a database and you have this quote-unquote passport this digital passport to do business in the world and without this you won't be able to buy or trade or sell or you know any of that good stuff uh you know all the mark of the beast type stuff that was talked about in the bible uh so when you're looking at that kind of a situation when everything's going to be tied to your biometric information your your uh, your very dna that kind of thing or your your genetic material however you want to view it when all of this is tied into this utility there is no anonymity grows absolutely right you, you're you know you're identified you're stamped and uh you know they know everything that you're doing and when there's no other way to acquire goods or services than to use this system they got you and it's not uh, so, it's not possible to undermine it either. It would be even something just as a voice. So they've recorded like they're doing now to us as we do this. Every word we say um, in a virtual environment, uh, the algorithms would already know that Crow's going to say poppycock exactly 2.5 times every hour <laughs> along with these other things. So even with a voice print alone, you would have to train a lifetime to try to undermine it. But unfortunately, there's I eye information, just everything, everything biological, even maybe Wayne, where Wayne has gone here, down to your genetic fingerprint. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, they're, they're not making any bones about that. Uh, this no. is exactly what the plan is. Yep. Uh, they've, they've got these uh, databases in existence. Uh, there's a, uh, uh, it's a uh, nonprofit organization. I can't remember the exact name of it. It's something like the, uh, um, <laughs> the Global Alliance for Genomics and Health or something like that. Uh, they collect... That great. <laughs> yeah. They collect, Ooh, they collect genetic information. They collect people's biometric and genetic data and put it into a database for quote-unquote research, and they attach to it an anonymous number so that, uh, you know, they can't really trace the identity of who this information's about. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what I say. But that that's exactly what... Uh, that's about i mean so i mean and that's just one of many of these organizations that are supposedly within the context of scientific research they collect this information this data from different uh medical facilities and doctors offices and stuff around the world and they put it into this database and there it is so anytime you give blood they sequence your genome and boop it goes there um and that, that's that's what's going on Jason, we should reiterate a couple of the things from the AI episode so people can start to understand the power of all that data collection in a virtual environment, what it actually does. Yeah, well, um, this, this also example, shows why big data was such a big deal. That's an episode we did however many years ago now. That, that, that start, well, this started we, way back yeah, when. We, we did it before it openly mattered. Yeah. Um, but one, there was a few things that went on as AI was being developed. Um, the first thing, and this is why game theory in this document is going to become so important. At first it was, hey man, can a computer beat checkers? Okay, finally we beat a guy at checkers. Then it became, can we beat someone at chess? Then it became, the grandmaster of the world has to be beaten by AI. And eventually that happened. But then they had this big benchmark, the game Go, which is the Asian game, which makes chess... In, in, in terms of how many various moves from the outset, it makes chess look like child's play. Uh, it gets into the hundreds of thousands of possible, you know, oh, things tens that Tens of happen. millions, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, crazy. it's, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. So what they did is they set up the AI with the AI coders trying to teach it as it went along, and they could not for the longest time beat the game of Go. 
Then one of the brilliant coders said, maybe the human beings are the problem here. So what we're going to do is we're going to let the AI make its own AI to solve individual problems, and we're going to go at the game Go. took 72 hours for AI to beat the game Go at that point. So as they went out into the first social rating scores in Rongchen, if I remember the city correctly, in China, they had a big problem with facial recognition on their CCT systems all over the city because Asian people have a lot of similarities, hair color, eye color, face shape, even between men and women because of face shape. And so one of the brilliant AI engineers realized that we can do this with micro expressions. So they put these kiosks all over the city of Rongchen and they told the people of the city of Rongchen, if you go up and smile in a kiosk, we'll pay your rent this month. So nearly everybody went and smiled in a kiosk. In less than 24 hours, the AI could identify any Asian face. So you can start to see where this goes. It's bad enough when you consider the blockchain or the virtual reality. Now consider it when it's been running for 10 years. Because after it's been running for 10 years, it's about a billion times more powerful than the day they launched it. Right, and then take into consideration things like Snapchat. Now they have, you know, how many people's faces. Uh, this is all to train AI. Don't think for a minute that that's just a free, fun app or something for people. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Snapchat filters and all of this stuff, <laughs> all those different things. Uh, that What's that Reface app? That's a popular one nowadays. Uh, do you think they're not doing something with that data? Yeah, but <laughs> so let's... let's Let's be careful about, about I mean, say just being mindful of what we, uh, the terms that we use when we say AI, right? That's what they term it. But let's all be clear that there's no intelligence there. It's it's simply, um, it's doing problem solving. It's, it's number not, crunching it, it's, very There's no quickly. intelligence. There's no intelligence in the way we would think of as human intelligence or sentience. It's that, simply. That's why it's um, artificial. <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> it's a knockoff. Exactly. It, it, there is no intelligence behind it in terms of thought or creativity. Um, beyond uh, simply uh, doing what it's told, right? Even even if that is, you know, as they say, uh, they develop their own language and they program their own little bots. That's what they did in Go, right? They, the, um, the AI wrote its own subroutines that they couldn't break. That's what they're telling us. Um, I don't know whether I buy that or not, but um, certainly um, I, I don't think there's ever going to be AI the way that they're telling us in terms of an actual intelligence that's going to, um, you know, uh, be some sort of next level humanity or art. I, I don't buy it. I don't. I don't think it'll ever happen. Okay. Maybe that's they'll, why they'll they're presented that way. That's the whole thing. We could look at the pharmaceutical industry and say the same thing. So the pharmaceutical industry basically makes drugs now that, for the most part, harm you. And if you watch the ads on TV, that rash that you're going to try to cure with this pill, you could get heart damage from the pill that's going to try to cure the rash. All those drugs are synthesized mostly, like 90%, based on plants. They've fanned out now things in the ocean and even some animals and minerals in some cases but the majority are a knockoff a poor reflection of what nature yep. already creates so when you bring that back to the digital world the artificial intelligence is the same thing the problem with the artificial intelligence is that it will never be intelligent as a human being recognizes it but at the same time you'll never meet a human being that can look at a data set and tell you to a 98% certainty what will happen to a group of people 10 years from now. AI can do that all day long, and anyone yep. who doesn't believe it, go look at the law of large numbers and look at wisdom of the crowd. 
Yeah, proves well, it. because those are just number crunching, right? So it can do that, and really right. fast, as you say. I mean, again, it can solve the problems because we we've given it um, the template with which to do that, and we've told it what the what the um, you know specifications are. You need to do this. Uh, it can do that, right? But but it's it's never going to be um, thought. It's it's never ever going to be that. Even though um, I, I assume because they keep telling us they're going to present it that way, and they keep um, you know pushing this idea of chatbots and artificial intelligence writing articles and that sort of thing. Um, but I think most of it is a put up. I think Watson on, on Jeopardy, as I mentioned in the chat, I think that was a put up. I, I don't I don't believe it. Um, it just um, it didn't come off as organic <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> to, to me. Uh, it did it did not come off as legitimate to me. It just it seems like a put up. And so I, I think they're trying to sell the idea um, to give it some uh, patina of legitimacy that, uh, again, we could put AI, um, it, it, something like Sophia, right, as our world leader, right, because it's impartial and it can't be corrupted. Um, but I don't buy it. Right. Uh, I think there I think there's a better chance that they could build a platform that could host um, some other kind of intelligence <laughs> or that we would that would be unfriendly. Um, I, I think that's a possibility, uh, but far more than them actually building a machine that has thought or exists in a sentient way. Well, it's not yeah. thought, though. We all know that anyone who's ever written code understands that it's not thought. It's just code. It's just if statements mostly. And if they've gone beyond the if statement, then instead of if this, then that, uh, there's a third option or something like this, which means they've kind of moved from binary to trinary. Um, but it looks like Jason submitted a question we should probably address. Yeah, let's um, address that in a moment. Uh, but here, here's the thing. Maybe the reason why they're pushing for this whole combination of machine man intelligence is that'll be the new hierarchy where today we have a hierarchy of people who have financial power over each other it'll be how much how plugged in are you how much can you access Absolutely. how much data yep. look, look at a pc jason at a pc there's an admin every box has it and there are permissions granted down from the admin so in all intents and purposes on every machine and every home whoever the admin is the apex of that hierarchy they have the control to rate or sub make anyone subservient to the system that they want. Um, and that's just in a basic computers that we use every day. And there's not a system in the world that doesn't have some form of ad admin. Yeah. And this I mean, this this uh, document right here is, again, pushing the idea that this is a, a benefit, right? It's a positive. So it's an enhancement to uh, organic humans uh, is that you'll get this new, you know, super intelligence when all it looks like to me. Right. It's just a, an implanted way for them to track you. <laughs> it's a cell phone that's implanted. <laughs> it, it, it's and a for them to control you. It's very it's similar a, to that. It's a simple I, question, though. Do you, do you want to get out of the cycle of hardship and necessity or do you want to have some really cool stuff to use? There's your Pretty choice. Much. And that's the thing. I mean, and here's the rub with the whole thing. It, they know at the top most levels, these these people that are, are programming these uh, quote unquote artificial intelligences and stuff, they know there's no way these things can, first of all, think like a human or be sentient. And that's why the big push for transhumanism. They want to combine the two together because this is the only way that they can achieve what they're hoping to achieve with it, okay? This would be uh, a true type. That's why they're talking about different species of humans and different levels of, uh, you know, artificial intelligence involved with that and that kind of thing. Um, and this is where it kind of gets a little on the uh, uh, shady side with this stuff when you're talking about trying to merge uh, this artificial intelligence with human beings or the human mind, Uh in my view, this is creating a spiritual disparity 
that's going to be filled by something, and what that is <laughs> is not probably not friendly. Machine. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's my my point of view here. I don't even see that this is an if statement. That if this is coming, and I don't see it as any difficulty to implement. Um, we're already seeing versions of how these things get implemented. It'll just get to the point where if you want your driver's license renewed, you got to have a VR headset to do it. Um, what are you going to do? You're going to quit driving. You're going to put on the VR headset. There's your option. Well, they're doing it right now with um, the vaccination, right? Right. That's that's the Same that's thing. the implication anyway. So there's this heavy implicature that uh, first, you know, you get you can't get your next fifteen hundred dollars stimulus check until you do that, and then now they're talking, of course, about the uh, passports that you won't be able to fly or travel or move about freely. Uh, you won't be able to do anything, in fact, if you don't do this. So here's your uh, first line in the sand, as I've been talking about for a while. Right, draw your line in the sand, and this uh, this for sure to me would be one of them. Um, so you count me right right the fuck out on that. <laughs> well, this is a good this is a good point to address the question that was submitted to Jason um, because if there is a semblance um, into the future that things are based on a higher power, which is why there's a Bible in every courtroom in every jurisdiction in the world, even places that don't have Bibles, there has to be a foundation for the law. Um, even in in ancient China or something, he was appointed. Uh, by the divinity that that was always been the idea so the question goes with all the law stuff you guys have done do you think that it could be used to get out of the coming technocracy and digital idea and things of that nature and i think yes all day long unless we get to the point where they have no qualm about going against the divinity and they break universal law but you see the problem is exactly what baldini just pointed out do you like your goods and services do you like driving a car? Do you like going to the supermarket? Do you like having currency? Because each one of those systems someone else created, and there's a string attached to each of them. As a matter of fact, the fiat currency in your pocket right now has you classified as an enemy of the state because you engage in commerce. So yes, you can remove yourself, but that brings us back to what Clint Richardson said. Where are you going to find that mountaintop that nobody owns so you can pitch your teepee? Yep. Um, we may have breakaway societies, but there is no undermining the, the above from the below. These two things are connected no matter how much these people try to fake like it's not. And it's not going away. So, yes, you can extract yourself if that is your life's mission. But what you may have to do to pull it off may be quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they're positioning it as though it's uh, it's not going to be a mandatory vaccine. It's completely voluntary. But if you want these goods and services, <laughs> these privileges, then you'll right. need to comply, right? right. So, yeah, there there is the underlying definition of of the the sheep's wool that was pulled over all our eyes. Everyone looks at the Statue of Liberty and says, "What a wonderful idea!" No, well, it's really not. Liberty is not freedom. Liberty is a thing granted, and anyone in the military knows that the commanding officer gave you 72 hours of liberty, but even under that liberty, you were still yoked. They could call you back at any time, and you couldn't break the rules you agreed to while you were on so-called liberty. Liberty is not freedom, and that statue there is the underpinning of the idea of freedom of this country, and it's a white important distinction. Yep, it's an important distinction, absolutely. And it came from France, by the way of all places yeah and that's words have meaning and the fact that it came from france is very telling because uh back in the early 1700s there was a big split in freemasonry um between france and england 
Uh, there were two different groups of Freemasons, and one formed the Scottish Rite, and the other one formed some different uh, French-type uh, rites, and uh, they, they had this split in uh, their viewpoints, and uh, the viewpoints of the more French-leaning uh, Masons had more of these ideas of like this this liberty idea more so than say freedom uh so you could see there was it was a split in the power structure at the topmost levels between those two different uh critical point and, and yeah. we could t we can take that a step further too can't we wayne so in france like right now i'm studying the tarot because i'm very interested in christian mysticism and i'm very interested in what was encoded into those cathedrals that the vatican claimed they built which they didn't the ones that matter um, in France at that time, there was maybe one of the most beautiful spiritual knowledge centers in the world based on old positive hermetic ideas, what we currently call Christian mysticism because it preceded what the Vatican did and it was tied to nature. So look what happened. Is that still the dominant thing there? It's still alive there. But what they actually had to do was hide their information into cathedrals so it wouldn't be lost. They made a tarot deck so they could do the same thing with a tarot deck. Um, they, they made Mother Goose fairy tales. All that occult information, hidden information, is also into those fairy tales. They did all these ingenious things to make sure that the information would make it forward, which they did successfully. But my point is, is did France hand us something that was beautiful tied to nature, or did they hand us liberty? And that mm. underscores the point Wayne just made. Well, yeah, let's, absolutely. Let's address this specifically, where I, he says, with all the law stuff you guys have done, do you think that could be used to get out of the coming technocracy and digital ID and things of that nature? And the one thing I, I really keep leaning on is what KL had gone over. I want to know if you do that full process and take control, if that is really like your ultimate form of saying, I do not consent. No, actually, it's not. Um, I've looked at it six ways to Sunday. What it is saying is... And it's being a realist. It's recognizing the system that's happened. It's recognizing that no one's pulling this system down easily. And if it does happen, it probably will be by accident or an act of God or something. So what it says is, I understand this system I don't like, so now I'm going to use it in the way it was developed to create a new straw man identity, which I will control wholly. I understand the system well enough that I will use that straw man that I created so I am the owner. You create it, you own it. And I will do commerce with that straw man and I will be able to have a business with that straw man. But at any time, I can drop that straw man and live as a living man while I can. But every time I want to go back to commerce or use the systems with the strings attached that require the foul system that we've recognized, I will use the straw man that I created. There's, you remember the old saying, uh, ownership is nine-tenths of the law or something like that? Mm -hmm. In other words, who, who's got this thing that's being argued? Well, you've got it. Well, then nine-tenths of the law is on your side automatically because you possess it. Um, that echoes this kind of unspoken rule that whoever creates a thing owns a thing. And it is spoken in some places, but in terms of the straw man, it's completely unspoken. Your straw man, my straw man, everyone's straw man. We don't know who created it. Well, we do. The Vatican created it. Hmm. Point is, is we don't know specifically who created it or specifically who controls it. But the point is, whoever created it owns it. And we will never get out from under that in the current system. So you have to create your own straw man that you own. And by the way, when he reclassified himself, 
to be the living man away from the straw man. He also changed his name away from the Roman slave category of using capital letters in the way that we see them used. So now he's written his name in lowercase. And actually, I think to some degree, they're even capping the first letter in some case. You can do it any which way you want, but to make the statement, he went to the lowercase. Um, and you've got to get into the Latin to understand what cap means. It's head, basically. And so in all caps name in the Roman uh, in the Roman era meant you were a slave. If your name was written in all caps in the Roman society, you were a slave. And then the, the step below that, less a slave, was to have the first letter capped. And then the free people had all lowercase. Um, so that's what I've derived from what KL's laying down. All right, let's move on here. Problem context. Safeguards for an emerging multi-species society. The transhuman problem context is that humanity is in the process of evolving into a more intense integration of humans and technology, and safeguards are required for the productive progression of this trend. So far, the multi-species society can be seen most prominently in markets and in the workplace. In financial markets, humans and algorithms coexist side by side. Currently, 55% of U.S. stock trading volume and 40 to 70% worldwide is performed by program programmatic trades and high frequency trading volume has doubled since the 2008 financial crisis. Wait, wait a minute. Can we can we just make a comment here? This is so much hogwash that it's hard to stomach. Okay, I'm a trucker. You want to know something? Fit humans exist 50/50 with machines called trucks. And they do all the work, right? They move all the cargo, but look at them coexisting. That's the same argument being in hid. No, they don't coexist. An algorithm is not coexistent with a human being. An algorithm is a freaking hand truck. It's, it's a, a tool. It's a tool. It's, exactly. Yeah, it's a tool. It's a hammer. Absolutely. It, it, so let's These people get are full of crap. Straight. It, they're, they're totally full of crap. This is, and, and this trend nonsense, it's not a trend. It's not even close to a trend. No, well, th this is how you could tell how they, they see this almost as a religion of sorts. They're, they're, right. they're thinking of like, oh, we're getting closer together. It's like, no, you have more tools. You have more specific tools for doing more specific tasks for you. Well, uh, consider the language that they're using as well. Um, it's very reminiscent of uh, the X-Men movies, right? That, um, they're talking about multi-species, that uh, basically that you have um, – humanity is now evolving. Right, so they're you're looking at this as an evolution process, uh, and so um, they're just going to choose and implant you with your uh, X-Men superpower, uh, <laughs> rather than having it develop on its own through a genetic uh, uh, opportunity or you know a, a radioactive spider that bites you. <laughs> <laughs> right, so but they're using almost identical language and um, visualization to express these ideas, uh, as though again uh, the entire purpose of those movies is to lay down this thought process as an Overton window challenge. Yeah, it's fraud. What what exactly. it is, is it's fraudulent. It's it's a fugazi. Right, they're trying to convince you that if you get bit with a radioactive spider, you'll get uh, superpowers. But what you'll Instead really of a get is cancer. Blood disease. <laughs> yeah, you'd have a better chance of the spider of getting something of value than you will from this document. Right. <laughs> Programmatic trading is implicated in flash crashes, an emergent phenomenon in which automated trading can trigger extremely rapid price declines. Since markets are driven by sentiment, a new class of data science analysis techniques and privacy-protected, remunerated, information-sharing mechanisms are needed to model markets as a multi-species domain. Good grief, these people are full of 
right. It's just mm-hmm. it's just gibberish, man. <laughs> Multi-species. Let's let's call a frog a rock for a while. You guys want to? During this episode, we'll just fake like frogs are rocks. Blockchain smart network systems might provide the requisite tools for collective intelligence gathering and systematic risk modeling to reduce the possibility of large-scale failure as financial contagion and collapse. In the workplace, humans and machines are also starting to cohabitate. As Cohen heralded in 2013, (laughs) the best worker for the job may be humans and technology in collaboration. Some economists estimate that one half of jobs, 47%, in mature economies are at risk of being outsourced to technology in the next two decades. Again, this is just more tools. The St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank predicts the continued progression of the 30 of the 30-year trend of job declines in routine tasks, both physical and cognitive. China, South Korea, and Japan are leading the world in the implementation of industrial robotics often with one human attending several machines. Other sectors are in the process of joining the automation economy in the areas of supply chain logistics, smart city monitoring, commercial driving, fleet management, and medical imaging. It's, it's beyond, oh. you know, th- th- this is all just so much nonsense because they're acting like it's this tide that's coming in that no one can stop. And in one sense it is, but the point is, is the people who control things could change it on a dime, and we know they could. The paragraph before when they were trying to say, oh, we got to be careful because the stock market can crash, what they truthfully should have been saying is we have these systems where we can make it crash any day of the week we want. And you know they have the control because their complete power system is wrapped up in it. Um, so this is all a bit disingenuous from the point of view of common sense where we, we don't have to go this way. Someone is deciding to go this way. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, there yeah. wouldn't be I mean, a, more, a more perfect point than that. Somebody well, exactly is deciding what we, see we with should this, go that way. Yeah, yeah. well, it's exactly what we see with going on, what's going on right around us right now with this scary virus pandemic. Scary. Um, it, it's, a, it's a complete put-up, right? It's, a, it's entirely <laughs> nonsense. Uh, I mean, is there a pathogen? Fuck, I don't know. There, there might be, but that doesn't – it's not <laughs> – nothing is what they say it is. And so, um, you know, they act like, oh, we're chasing this down, trying to fix it for you. It's poppycock, right? So um, th- this is entirely the same thing with this, um, oh, artificial intelligence is coming, and if we don't join with it, we're going to get left behind. It's nonsense. <laughs> yeah, well, let's look, play look, make-believe. The algorithms look. are conscious. Let's pretend the algorithms yeah. are conscious. That's the unicorns are coming for us. Oh, my God. <laughs> did, did you catch – what are your pronouns? Did you guys catch the, the, the initiation tip language in the second sentence there? Who was it that heralded in 2013 that maybe the best we could do is humans and technology and collaboration? It was Cowan. Does anyone yep. know what Cowan means? I, I had just read something about that. Isn't it something to the effect of... Uh... It's um, the Goyim or something like that. It, it's That's what it it's equivalent. It's the free, it's the Freemason bad word for people who have gotten too close to their secrets but don't understand or weren't initiated. It can also just simply mean a person who's outside their initiation ring. Right. And well, like to talk about them too. Take, yeah, you could take the en off a cow. You know, someone yep. where you heard around. But that's where the word Cowan comes from. Um, so there's an, an initiated little nod in there sentence there well oh, they always got to get those in yeah the, well we know where these inner circles you know, they they know and they put this stuff in here so that the others who know know right 
And then the, the schlebs might look at this and be completely clueless as to what's going on. Yeah, they better watch out because when all these Kalans get sick of eating crappy hay, they're going to have a problem on their hands. Right. Yep, and it's going to be more than carbon emissions. <laughs> That's a fact. Yep. All right. Solution objectives. Thriving and surviving. <laughs> oh, God. Get your crowbar ready. Beat off the machines. Given the problem context. Thrive, thriving and surviving on the hamster wheel. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Given the problem context that the transhuman future depends on, evolving into a safe and empowering multi-species society, there are two focal points. Surviving and thriving. Uh, yeah, surviving and thriving. We're not going to do this this uh, chart here. <laughs> surviving addresses the crucial concerns of physical, cognitive, and emotional safety and economic sustenance, sustenance as preconditions for launching the broader transhuman agenda of thriving by exceeding current physical and mental limitations. Ta-da! The X-Men, you're going to have your superpowers. That's what they're trying to tell you there. <laughs> exactly. Only when you go on the game grid, though. Yeah, that's right. Who is your user program? <clears throat> crypto economic smart networks for surviving in the transhuman future all right first considering surviving blockchains might help facilitate the next steps in society's evolution in three primary ways one is the good player argument this is the idea that mutual survival interests are aligned by using a common infrastructure, since human, algorithm, and machine might all be using the same blockchain smart network systems to access resources, communicate, obtain information, transact, and otherwise conduct their operations. They all have the incentive to remain in good reputational standing to use the network, and this could enforce good player behavior. Okay, well, no, no, hang on one second here. They're players. <laughs> That's what life is now. You're you're just a player. Ready, player one? Yep. Now two, ready, player two. Two out of the three things mentioned there are not capable of making decisions by themselves. They will only do what they're programmed to do. So garbage mm -hmm. in, garbage out. <laughs> you picking up what I'm putting down here? Mm -hmm. well, you you want to maintain your good reputational standing though in the network so, <laughs> yeah, right you know <laughs> be sure to just say yes to uh you know uh, this the sky is black yes it is <laughs> agree to the terms and limitations agreement there you go the, the good player argument a second future economics concern is sustenance Using economics as design principles in blockchain networks might help solve an important outstanding problem. Credit assignment by having a model for tracking and connecting contribution with remuneration. Remuneration is often based on asset ownership as opposed to value contribution. Blockchains could remedy this since the advent of the token economy means a new era of participation in web-based communities. Whereas Web 1.0 involved the transfer of static information, Web 2.0, the social web, created the expectation that website users can interact, like, and engage with content and other users. Now in Web 3.0, the crypto web, users expect to participate meaningfully in economic communities by being remunerated for contribution. 
contributions, such as software code, digital art, and forum posts, and by being able to vote and access resources. The token economy facilitates this as websites issue their own crypto token money supplies. Despite emerging technology volatility, there are over 1,945 Ethereum-based projects as of October of 2018. Yeah, there you go. Think of things like Steemit. Are you guys familiar with Steemit? That's what that yep. that's what was introduced right here as Web 3.0. There's the idea. What's funny is how they describe it. This is what you can do. You can interact, like, and engage. All right. So this is the three. But what's ironic about that? Do you remember way back when uh, YouTube was young and when you rated things, there were five stars. There was no negative connotation. But you see, Facebook had already come up with this brilliant old Roman kind of arena thing. It was thumbs up or thumbs down. So you could get your negative <laughs> kick in the nuts whenever you wanted. So, of course, without being sued, YouTube throws out their star rating, which was only positive. You know, you can only give plus symbols to rate a thing or not rate at all. And they had to introduce that. So it's just it's just so disingenuous, all this. Blockchains might offer a means of solving the credit assignment problem and also facilitate new models of asset ownership that address future of work concerns. Blockchain economies are characterized by open platform business models for large scale global participation. For example, open source software companies, or excuse me, communities with a payments layer that compete with closed monopolistic platforms such as Google, Facebook, and Microsoft, yet they are indeed monopolistic. I agree with that totally. As technological unemployment becomes more prominent in the automation economy, jobs being outsourced to technology, transitioning outsourced workers to new situations is a key concern. With cooperative ownership models, outsourced workers might receive shares in the new automated means of production in exchange for job loss. However, Early universal basic income experiments indicate that unearned free money is unpalatable since it lacks social contact reciprocity features. UBI is another form of the credit assignment problem because it has the same premise that contribution and remuneration should be linked. Blockchain-based Maslow smart contracts might enable individuals to pursue interests and skill development in a structured way that results in certification and new employment or productive use of capacities as the endpoint and instantiates new forms of the social contract. And to just uh, weave through some of the gobbledygook there, uh, I'm going to point this out for people. They're talking about universal basic income, and that's been thrown around a lot lately. They've it been has. talking about that. Well, they're, but they're doing the it thing. right now. Yeah. The great reset. That's right. But look what they're also saying here. Free money is unpalatable. So here's what they're going to do. You're going to work for your universal basic income, folks. They're going to use you in some way or another. You want that check to come? You're going to capitulate. You're going to do what they tell you. They're going to look and see what they think is the best job for you. This is known as communism, by the way, in some other countries. Um, they're going we to have see... nine tenets of the ten, and by the way, just so you know, the only part of communism we don't have is they can come take your property at any time, but that's handled through taxation. Oh, that's not going to be an Sorry. issue anymore, Crow, because no one's going to own any property soon. And see? you'll be happy. Yeah. You'll be happy. 
And, and here's the thing. I mean, they're they're going to look and see what what kind of skills do you have? What are, what are you good at? What, what could be? How do you contribute uh, to the collective? use you for productive use? You know, so if you're you're a doctor, you have medical skills or something. Okay, well here's your universal basic income. You get the same thing as everybody else. And now all that schooling and stuff that you did, you know, it's it doesn't matter. You're not going to make it. You're not going to profit any more than anybody else for this. This is called communism, folks. This is exactly what that's talking about. So when you're seeing the promise of universal basic income, don't uh, think that you're getting something for nothing and then like it, you could go and earn supplemental income on top of that. That might be true for the first short little while, but uh, there's coming a time where it's switching over to a pure communist type of estate. Well, let's let's at least put it this way. <laughs> it is a contract. You're you're selling your soul. <laughs> you just get monthly payments. Mm, there you go. Uh, or you could call JG Wentworth and get your cash now. Eight seven seven cash now. JG Wentworth. Call my friend Willie Brown. <laughs> a structured settlement from selling your soul. And JG Wentworth just got a free advertisement here. Right. They know what they're doing when they write those jingles, don't they? They do. <laughs> Hit you over the head as often as possible with the shortest repetition. Possible. Repetition is the key. That's that's for sure. Yep. Uh, it's uh, it's the new normal. It's the new normal. The new normal. Have you heard about the new normal? The Great Reset. The new normal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the new normal. Yes. I've yes. Heard about the new normal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Blockchains as a future class technology. Blockchains, software for secure automated transfer of information or assets via the internet, constitute a robust singularity class technology for realizing both objectives of transhuman futures, thriving and surviving. Blockchains offer the full progression of a sophisticated new technology running the gamut from better horse to new car applications. Since internet networks are already in place, value-added layers such as blockchains might be rapidly adopted. IDC estimates that global spending on blockchain solutions will reach $9.2 billion in 2021 from an estimated $2.1 billion in 2018. The World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab estimates that at least 10% of global GDP will be stored in blockchains by 2027. Blockchain 1.0... Blackjack in there. Did you notice they just reversed it? 2021, and then they went to 2.1 billion? Anyhow, sorry, go. Yeah, blackjack, there it is. Blackjack, 9-11 encoding. Yeah, preceded by 9-11, right. It's, this, this paragraph is just loaded with code. Uh, yep. Robust. There's the word robust. Uh, talking about <laughs> nice. the, the better horse. Uh, what do we know about horses, guys? What are they f- referring to there? That's the old equestrian class once again. So that's who's going to benefit brought from down this. Rome, by the way, yeah. just so people draw the line. I thought that yeah. was the glue to hold everything together. That's what they used them for after they brought down <laughs> after Rome. Yeah, after they're done with their... We have no further use for you. <laughs> now people sniff them so that they're worthless. Oh, God! <laughs> There's all the leftover cocaine. Well, we've got President Sniffer and his son. So. <laughs> Old but Sniffer President strikes again. The, the office of the president-elect, which doesn't exist. Yeah, does not exist. Sorry, no. That's not a thing. 
Blockchain <clears throat> 1.0 can be conceived as a better internet, adding features that were not present in the initial implementation. This functionality includes a payment layer, the ability to send money and assets, and the possibility of engaging in privacy-protected computing with confidential transactions and private messaging. Some <laughs> of the better horse applications are real-time payments and monetary transfer instantaneously on a global basis, automated information confirmation, and secure messaging. Should, should we decode that? Privacy protected? The real truth is that the only thing of value to these people in this system is the data, and then they go on to talk about, oh, you can have all this secure money that actually doesn't exist. It's fake money. It's fiat that you can't even hold. Yeah, to I them, know. privacy protection is that the, they, they take all your data and hoard it. Right. <laughs> they don't exactly. want anybody else to have it. Because we'll protect this for you. It's exactly. got to be mined, man. Someone's going to get the interest. Yep, data is the new oil. Mm-hmm. And the the digital fiat is fiat fiat, so it's it's double it's double imaginary it's fiat, fiat fiat fiat. It's an imaginary <laughs> fiat. <laughs> oh, that's mm -hmm. good stuff. <laughs> Blockchain 2.0 is understood as an institutional technology, a replacement or supplement for brick and mortar human based institutions, and as an enterprise software for transitioning business and government into the digital age. In the future, a substantial portion of the world's assets might be registered to digital inventories and transacted with blockchains. There could be a single set of shared business processes used by multiple parties in industry value chains. Some of the envisioned horseless carriage applications include financial contracts, legal agreements, digital identity solutions, government public record repositories, and voting. Boy, they really are just really shoving it to, in there, aren't they? They have to tie it to nature, horseless carriage, because nobody's going to swallow the green pill unless it at least <laughs> resembles a tree. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, now, oh, man. it's okay. Your voting will be safe on the blockchain. <laughs> right. Yeah. They've, they've got people already the used to these concepts, though. <laughs> They've got these people, they've got the younger people used to these concepts because you already do buy and, and sell and trade digital things in video games. Like that's a very common thing now or even download the, the extra content you can get later and you have to pay for it, that kind of stuff. They've already got people getting in the, into the notion that a, a non-tangible has a tangible value to you. Yeah, they do. I, I'm a first-hand witness of that. My kids fall into that, uh, you know, DLC content stuff all the time with video games. And, you know, it's it's one of those things. They've they really ingrained it into this generation coming up that, that there's real value behind this stuff when it's actually – it's it's nothing. It's not anything tangible at all. So let's – Let's look at the word blockchain. Does anyone know who invented the blockchain? By the way, this important thing that's going to be the central hub of world commerce. Nobody um, does knows. It, does any? Well, actually, they do. It's a guy named Satoshi Nakamoto. And here's what Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah, here's here's what Wikipedia will tell us. Actually, that's not even a real name. No, it's blockchain not. has the potential to grow to be the bedrock of the worldwide record-keeping systems, and was launched just ten years ago. It was created by the unknown persons behind the online cash currency Bitcoin under the pseudonym of Satoshi Nakamoto. There's what a great idea this is because nobody can seem to know who created it or for that matter who controls it. 
you're convinced that nobody controls it. But well, yeah, they tell you it's a, everything. Yeah, exactly. They tell you it's a public utility. That's what they tell you that it's you somebody know. controls public utilities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, that's uh, uh, let's just kind of point out that uh, NSA <laughs> used to they used to say uh, no such agency <laughs> back uh, back in the day when I talked to them. That was their joke. It's no such agency. <clears throat> they don't spend a dime on public relations. Uh, of course, now everybody kind of knows about it. But um, if I had to put money on it, it's one of those um, siloed intelligence um, think tanks that put this together. Yes. And they just came up with this. um <laughs> With this fictional character uh, to give it some again a patina of legitimacy and uh, veracity, but it, it's it's a it's a uh, litmus test, right? It's a, a way it's canary in a coal mine way to get people to trust uh, cryptocurrency uh, as a, as a legitimate thing, and um, so that it will become a positive, right? Just in the same way that they're rolling out transhumanism here as a major positive, they they began this document with the premise uh, that it's a, it's a a major positive, not just a, a maybe a good thing, but absolutely amazing thing that uh, all, all we need is just to be able to flip the switch and get those uh, get the neural net in there just right and uh, it'll all be you'll have superpowers there it is yeah uh, I wonder if we could go at uh, looking into uh, what the etymology of that name is that Satoshi uh, what is it Namasuka or I, I whatever just I was just thinking of if you yeah, just look Japanese up who created crap. yeah just look up who created uh, the blockchain and get the Wikipedia entry but you know damn well there's everything encoded into that name from the numeral who who knows what you yep. could find you're gonna need someone who speaks well rose speaks japanese so she can help us i didn't know rose speaks japanese too somewhat for yeah. little rose doesn't do yeah i just i used to you know say to people who threaten me go hey be careful i, I know karate and nine other japanese words so <laughs> <laughs> karaoke and, and maybe you know satoshi sushi sushi <laughs> <laughs> oh, you braid runner. We call that bait. <laughs> Blockchain wasabi. And there you go. I like it. Blockchain wasabi. That's spicy. That. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh man. But uh yeah, they did they uh th these documents, uh, I got to tell you Wayne, just hats off to you for finding this the craziest shit out there cuz uh I it, it never ceases to amaze me how really kind of open they are. You, you don't really it's very thinly veiled. You don't really have to look too deep to see uh, the twilight language that they're invoking here um, and what their intentions are. It's pretty, pretty out there and obvious. Look at the name of the technology. It's got both lock and chain within it. You want to be part of that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Some of the stuff that uh, you know that is right there in the open in these documents if you know what you're looking for like the way that they they use the encoded language and stuff like that and you know it's it's just they're they're not even like subtle anymore with a lot yeah. of this stuff they used yeah. to be like a little bit secretive and subtle with this stuff and now it's just blatant there it is yeah we're gonna build a blockchain and we're gonna do the transhumanism thing and your brain's gonna be tied to the internet for eternity and like it's like come on yeah, it's, it is it is as if they they have either become um so uh, either so competent or so sloppy, or it is just the sprint to the finish that they have just dropped again all the all pretense, uh, and it's it's no longer you know just opening the kimono a little bit. They're they're running naked through the streets. 
Maybe it's simple. Maybe when you're three quarters on your way to the idiocracy, people just aren't smart enough to think about what's being put in front of them. Apparently, that's the that's the scary part to me, Crow. That that's what I'm kind of a. If there's anything that worries me, it's that uh, that that it is uh, just that they can't that they believe that they can uh, operate with impunity, and there there they go. They just do it, and and then just call all of us who see it crazy. After 10 pounds that's, of fluoride last year, we'd all be in the same situation, probably. Man. Wow. So blockchain 3.0 understands distributed ledgers as a new species of technology with possibilities that did not previously exist. <laughs> oh, technology does not have species. No, it doesn't. No. And distributed yes, ledgers, you can call them anything you want, but I'll tell you what it is. It's code. Yeah, and they're invoking the kind of idea of of life into this technology, right? That you can yeah, see that. You know, it's almost like the distributed ledger becomes the corporation with the rights of a living man or woman. Um, that's the kind of idea, maybe. Where do I go here? One implication is the smart network convergence technology of deep learning chains integrated blockchain and deep learning functionality. Some potential car applications include crypto cloud mines, automated fleet management, big health data, asynchronous space communication, and the rapid prototyping of gaming and artificial reality environments. That's important. There's the important thing. That's what everyone needs to spend their time on. But look at the three major words that describe everything we're talking about. Lock, chain, and the crypt. Yeah, there you go. Yep. And by the way, uh, from from my point of view, anytime they uh, apply the word "smart" as an adjective to something, you'd be dumb to use it. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless selling your soul seems like a good idea. Yeah, no. <laughs> yep. and, and then just look at the ideas that they lay out here with the quote-unquote crypto cloud mines, automate automated fleet management, big health data asynchronous space communication and the rapid prototyping of gaming and artificial reality environments and all those things are very tied together because uh you know what kind of fleets are they managing well it's going to be fleets of people's brains uh and they'll do so by uh collecting the big health data and uh you know tying your biometrics to the blockchain uh asynchronous space communication and rapid prototyping of gaming and artificial reality environments, those two things go hand in hand because you can't believe in the fraud that is space unless they could present it to you in some kind of an artificial environment. Virtual reality! Right. Ta-da! Here's space, guys. Finally, we made it to Mars, see? You may live in a closet, but when you're in the oasis, it'll seem like a palace. (laughs) There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Crypto cloud mines for thriving in the transhuman future. Well, they're making assumptions here. Thriving. Blockchains are equally implicated in the transhuman objectives of surviving and thriving. Having discussed surviving, the essay now proposes crypto cloud mines for thriving as a safe expansionary mechanism for exceeding current physical and mental limitations. A cloud mind is a cloud-based collaboration of human and machine minds with safeguards and permissions. Crow was uh-huh. said before about, about admins. Administrations, yeah. In this context, mind means some kind of computational processing power, possibly including decision making, but not necessarily consciousness. A that's cloud mind. Can't do it. Huh? Yeah, that's the disclaimer. That's because yeah. they can't do it. They can't yeah, create a consciousness exactly. as yep. much as they would like to. 
So they're calling a calculator a mind because I can do a, a process. Mm-hmm. It's just bullshit. It was just it's bullshit cloud mind my ass. A cloud mind has processing or thinking capability that is virtual, located in internet databanks or decentralized networks without having a specific embodiment or physical corporeality. Okay, no, it doesn't. It does not have thinking capability. It has processing no. capability, yes, absolutely. But that yeah. that is all it is. It is nothing but. If these people think that because it can do processes really fast, basically crunch numbers and analyze data faster and spit out an answer, is thinking they are fucking wrong. Well, they're, they're talking about the human mind in that mix, though, too. So, I mean, they're saying that the human mind combined, uh, you know, in this uh, cloud mind kind of situation with these virtual minds or whatever these, quote-unquote, artificial minds, these computer uh, processing networks could have, uh, you know, a decentralized network without a specific embodiment or physical corporality. They're talking about somebody's mind existing outside of the physical, which, uh, you know, is not really something I think that is achievable uh, via the use of technology. I could be wrong there, but, you know, uh, this is kind of what they're they're pushing. This, this goes hand in hand with transhumanist ideals because they they always like to tout the idea that uh, your your mind your your consciousness could transcend your physical body and you could exist in many different types of bodies if you'd like and that kind of thing or exist in no body whatsoever in a virtual reality upload your consciousness or or transfer you to another one yeah exactly that's what they're talking about here they're talking about uh, this combined human and artificial mind kind of idea into uh, you know, the cloud. And that's why they call it a cloud mind. It's not going to be uh, necessarily physically based. It's just a data stream. That's all it is. It's data that's lost in the ether somewhere. But I mean, there's no way for it to manifest in any way, shape or form until it actually uh, hits a device or some kind of a modality that it could have some kind of an effect or, or be read or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so but let's, let, let's not, again, forget about monitoring, control, uh, admins. Right. <laughs> no, yep. You're not authorized to learn that piece of information. Delete, delete. Yep. <laughs> See, that's the thing. It's no different than any piece of data going through the air, any type of a signal going through the air right now. A radio signal could be said it's the same thing. Is that an intelligence? No, it's not an intelligence. It's just a signal. And that's what they're talking about. It's a signal. But um, it's a signal of somebody's decision-making process combined with some kind of artificial intelligence algorithm. This is what they're they're talking about. This kind of weird, you know, uh, blending of this idea and existing outside of a some type type of a, a system. This would be a signal, but that doesn't mean that your consciousness would carry over into this signal per se, yeah. or that uh, you know this thing would actually be of any use whatsoever if it's lost in the cloud somewhere it could get lost just like any other uh, data or signal could get lost if there's not the right receiver to receive it did you guys get down to the technology-based entities (laughs) not yet (laughs) we're getting there there are three classes of existing cloud minds these include ai deep thinkers such as watson watson health alphago deep mind and NVIDIA digits. Collective intelligence pooled mind resources, examples being e-labor marketplaces such as Mechanical Turk, and digital selves such as Cyberev and LifeNot, 
and digital self-entities such as Bina 48 to the 26th power? Okay. No, that's a footnote there. 26 is a footnote. Just Bina 48. Bina 48, okay. Meta cloud mines might be deployed as a smart network orchestration mechanism for monitoring existing cloud mines. A deep thinker's registry could be a protective measure, with cloud mines appearing before the Computational Ethics Review Board each year for continued licensing. The review board itself could be comprised of both human and technology-based entities. <laughs> yep. Yep. -er. There There's your admins right there. There's yeah. your admins. That's great. The algorithm's going <laughs> to monitor you and decide whether or not you're you're being ethical or not. It's like <laughs> Buck Rogers, where they have the little the, all the little circle robots, and they're sitting sitting in the in the council chamber, and they're telling everybody what to do. You didn't yeah. meet our community guidelines. Your license is revoked. You no have not exist. met the community guidelines, <laughs> Captain Rogers. Well, your ability to exist is revoked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the bigger point for the transhumanist expansion is that in the future, cloud mines might comprise large numbers of mines operating together with human and machine mines in collaboration. In order to do so, a slate of safety protocols would need to be in place, all of which might be managed by blockchains. One is guaranteeing that a cloud mind is not a group mind. This means that individuals would only permission partial cognitive resources, not their whole brain and identity to collaborative mind projects. Smart contracts could manage the process. The premise of transhumanism is exceeding current physical and mental limitations. The first tier of application is the more obvious and lightweight phases. This could include physical augmentation for better health, strength, and mm -hmm. disease prevention, and improving mental capacities with smart drugs. Oh, smart drugs. <laughs> Targeted memory excitation and performance accentuation. However, the safer and Targeted... To wait, wait a minute. Don't you have to... What do you, say that again? Targeted memory excitation. Mm. Mm. There's a smart drug. <laughs> there you go. However, Did you take your porn pills today? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> However, the safer and more superficial approaches may only do so much to extend mental capacities. At some point, a second tier of improvement calls for going beyond the constraint of the current unitary meat space packaging of the human brain. Greetings, meat bags. <laughs> Gotta love the wording that they use here, don't you? <sighs> Meat space. Uh, <laughs> they seem to be forgetting that the human brain is a gazillion times more powerful than a freaking computer ever will be. Yeah, and they don't even understand how it works. See, that's the whole thing. You see the hubris of these people. This drives me nuts. Like, they talk like they have it all figured out. They don't even, they couldn't even tell you if they wanted to how the human brain even partially works. Uh, it's it's crazy. Or the human mind, mind being something totally different than brain, by the way. The brain is just a physical space. It's a physical organ in our body that they equate consciousness to. But uh, they don't really know for sure if consciousness is tied to the brain. And, and that's that's part of the problem. Right, they exactly. think they got it figured out, and they, they really don't. Yeah, they don't know how consciousness works. We still don't know how or where memory is located. I think, they're, uh, I think it, they're just counting it, man. I think they don't care about consciousness. All they care about is data. Uh, imagine the hermetics that come out of a system like this in you know, a couple hundred years where it's as below, so below. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> as below, so below. Even as further above, so down. Above. Got down. one place to go, down. Yeah, pretty much. 
Uh, and just to point how something out can you here, go? it's talking about how, um, you know, the, the group mind idea or the cloud mind is not a group mind. Individuals would only permission partial cognitive resources, not their whole brain, to mm. uh, this collaborative mind project. Now, there's a guy named Robin Hansen who a few years back actually gave a TED Talk, and he's written some books and stuff like that. He's actually an economist, but he talked about this idea uh, with uh, – putting people's consciousness uh, online into a computer in order to create uh, like a new e-economy. And he talked about taking the best and, and sharpest minds for certain things and combining them together in a network like that, the, the best aspects of each of those to uh, in order to in, enable a process like this. And this is what they're talking about, partial cognitive resources. So they're going to take uh, different ideas and, and different uh, people's types of what they're good at and, and combining it together into these these group Bobby projects Bobby. and oh, he yeah. called this he called this uh advent he called it m world em world meaning emulate world where they would uh make emulates of human minds but only the best parts of human minds mm -hmm. and put them into a computer to create a digital economy and this digital economy would outperform the regular economy. And this is what he talked about. I think I have one of his videos actually posted on my YouTube channel. Uh, people could check that out. His name's Robin Hansen, and he's talked about this stuff numerous times. I've seen and this of ties stuff in. before, yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say that um, if should this ever occur, see, there's several people who I'd like to uh, defragment their hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> But, but other than that, no, uh, I, I don't. I don't buy a word of it. Um, it's it's a pie in the sky dream, and I think uh, again, it's a pretext to sell something else. Just in the same way, I think the the current uh, vaccine is a pretext to do something else. They're they're injecting you with something. Uh, I just don't think it is what they say it is. That's and just like everything else, everything they describe to us is a misdescription. Like yeah, this is the whole thing. This is where I've come in my research and my understanding. Our total science that they give us, that what they call science, it's a lie. It does not operate in the way that they claim that it does or they teach us that it does. The mathematics look good, sure, because you could make mathematics show Anything. what it is you want to. Yep. Uh, you know, as long as you put the right variables in the right places. And that's exactly what they do to make it look like this is how this operates. When in actuality, it really doesn't. If you do empirical observation and experimentation, you come to discover, you know what? It just doesn't work. For some things, the math adds up, yes. But for other things, it does not. And the math doesn't necessarily reflect uh, the description of what it really is. No, so, it's, a mis it's a misdescription. I've described right. this as you could you could um, use mathematics to describe music, um, and and it works. It works very well, uh, but it certainly would be almost impossible to um, improvise, perform, or play, or even appreciate music in that way. We could do the same thing with Absolutely. cooking. You you could describe it in a mathematical format um, using you know um, gastronomy, molecular gastronomy, and it would be functionally accurate, but you'd never be able to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And this is exactly what I think that they've done uh, as I continue to break down, uh, for example, the periodic table of elements uh, what the, uh, in chemistry. What they've done is uh, to describe it in a way which is functionally, it works, uh, but it is a complete misdescription and in fact uh, occludes and hides exactly what the nature of the world is. They're not elemental, they're combinations. Yeah, exactly. And it has to do with frequency and vibration, um, just as, uh, you know, uh, we were told that Nikola Tesla says whatever you, whatever we think about whether he was real or not, um, some of the some of the 
stuff is accurate in terms of that, right? That idea that it's um, frequency and vibration and it has to do with electricity and magnetism. That's the basic nature of what we see around us in the world. Uh, and, um, you know, I basically came to this because, you know, the uh, when you see that, when you uh, put those together, that uh, electricity and magnetism is the primary forces around us, um, what chemistry is, is an aberration to that. It's, it's anomaly. It doesn't work. Uh, right? And so you start challenging it and go, hey, wait a minute. Um, so, yeah, everything that they've given to us, as you say, is misdescribed and, and um, uh, a deception. So not just – I mean everything, not just science, but yep. uh, the nature of the world and our history. Uh, everything is misdescribed, and the, uh, it's um, they just tried to pull the world over our walls. Yeah, it's it's death-based. You can take what, what Wayne was pointing out. You can take to the basic foundation of all of it and explain it very simply. Uh, all of science is built on the premise of the destruction of matter, all of it. And when you go over where Baldini was going, chemistry owes everything it ever had to spagyrics. The difference is spagyrics did everything it did within the scope of what nature permits. What chemistry did were cheap knockoffs. And it goes from there to the misdescription of the elemental table. Yeah, which it's almost any, worse than a cheap knockoff. It's it's um, deleterious, right? It's harmful in every way. It's death-based. Yes, yeah, so you, it's when just you, like, Yeah, when you build your foundation on the destruction of matter, then you've departed from the natural world. Yeah, and it's it's hyper reductionism, and I would I would liken it to the the same um, the same different or an a analog to um, natural um, you know organic uh, health versus what they give us in terms of petrochemical uh, drugs. It, it is that's almost an exact one to one the difference between uh, alchemy and spagyrics uh, and the natural world versus what they describe as chemistry. Let's get to this next part, and then we'll see where else we want to jump to since we're getting low on time. The benefits of collective intelligence have been demonstrated. Working in diverse teams can lead to improved outcomes and the ability to tackle larger-scale projects. The enhanced evolution of teamwork could be through collaborative mind power. There could be communities of human minds and human and machine minds working together in a Cowan-like Future of work there progression. <laughs> there, it there it is. We better get Locutus in here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's take a look here. Well, Wayne, have you read this yet? Uh, I've gone through most of it. I'm trying to think where do we want to go to next? Uh, maybe go down to uh, the next section here where it says Cloud Mind Computronium Ideas is the Currency of the Future. Yeah, and just Risk. don't miss that one um, that one sentence there. It says the mind is an extremely sensitive frontier and must be shared slowly and partially in a controlled manner. There you Jason, go. Jason will <laughs> like risks and limitations. That includes the EMP and the Hello Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's do cloud mind computronium. Ideas is the currency of the future. Wouldn't that be ideas are the currency of the future? The crypto cloud mind vision is that cloud minds might constitute not only an application, but a next generation platform for the realization of transhuman futures. Cloud minds could be architected as a blockchain system in which each network node is a mind, human or otherwise. Uh, well, if it's not human, that's, I think that's just called a network. 
you know, like a couple, yeah, couple right. of servers <laughs> talking. <laughs> They're going to call so. it a neural network to try to um, fool you into thinking it, it's, or, you know, similar to organic, but it's not. All it's a nodes, machine, Watson. Yeah. It is. All nodes have equal standing since crypto cloud mines are a decentralized network and can provide peer-to-peer services to other nodes. The first and foremost peer service is mining, validating, confirming, and registering transactions in some sort of competitive, consensus-driven process for an incentivized reward. All participating nodes subsequently recompute and confirm the validity of new transactions and add them to their copy of the distributed ledger. The crypto cloud mind is likely to be a multi-currency environment. There could be network security and remuneration later layers in the stack with cryptocurrencies for each. There could be an algorithmic deep learning layer for optimization with its own native cryptocurrency, such as TensorCoin. However, the crucial top stack value creation layer could be denominated in the prime currency of ideas. All right. Well, when we see the first child named Node, we'll know we're on our way. <laughs> uh, it's probably already happened, I hate to say. <laughs> it probably has. El Nodo. <laughs> Nodi. Uh, Crow, do we know where to get the uh, certificate of live birth? Like, who do you yes. actually have to go ask? Well, you go to your county first. Um, your county should have the record, and the one you need is the county birth record, which actually has the attending physician's signature. You do not want the state version. you got to have the county version. Or, yeah, I think it's called the county record of live birth. The main differentiation is by the time it gets up to the state, things have happened. The county one you want has the signature of the attending physician. So you need to go to your 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 you know your your records department for that city that you're in, and they'll tell you how to get where you're going. You need the county birth record. And if <clears throat> if I'm the counter, then that makes you the county. Haha. Ah. At, you, at least at that level, you were alive when you were counted. Mm, counter. By the time it hits state, you're not. One thing that um, I take from all, take away from all of these documents that, that we peruse is that they they all seem to have um, one of the same aspects to them, and that is um, exploring how do we implement this without getting caught, <laughs> right? It, it's not. It's not. But like, we're still going to tell you we're important. doing it. Yeah, it's like it's not like um, here's a problem that we need to address, and and what do we do with that? It's um, here's what we want to do. How do we do this without people um, freaking out about it? We do this disingenuously without really cluing people in as to what we really want. You know, actually, I think I take it it one step further. I think it would be not how can we do this and get away with it. Is it's more like we are doing this. Let's make sure we get away with it. Pretty much. And and really, I would think um, e- even more so, in fact, especially from the higher up ones like the Rand Corporation and that sort of stuff, is that um, this is uh, – they're uh, revealing, right? They're revealing a little bit to those who are in the know, and they, they use some of the twilight language to, tea, uh, to, to um, you know, queue up people who would know that. And the rest of the people who get the do- document distribution, they wouldn't really get it. Uh, but those who are in the know uh, would be queued into uh, – take, you know, look here, read between the lines. Um, that, but that – Almost every one of these seems to be an exercise, and here's what we want to do. Um, how, how do we uh, how do we introduce this uh, in a way that will seem palatable, uh, so that people don't uh, tar and feather us? Yeah, pretty much. That's how it goes. Uh, let's skip down to this section here, guys, where it says practical considerations, next steps for the implementation of crypto cloud mines. I think uh, 
that uh, next section there will be a little bit more telling. Crypto cloud mine. That sounds next generation so social networks. All right, that sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. Next generation social networks could be the access platform for crypto cloud mines. Yeah, you know what? I can see where they're going already. Let's get people hooked like we did to them on Facebook. And then they'll want Digital to be a part of this. They will want to be a part of this because it's freaking neato. Blockchains have been conceived as an enterprise technology and extending this idea to consider consumer blockchain applications. One premise is that individuals would be willing to share more and higher value information if it were kept private and remunerated because Facebook's so freaking private. But they've figured out how it works like a drug on your brain and how to continue, continually stimulate that. So Facebook was the great experiment that unfortunately succeeded against us and they could take all of that and target it to the next thing. This could lead to a new tier of applications running as an overlay to social networks, unlocking additional consumer value. You <laughs> 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 to product, Joe. You yeah. to product. Yeah. The notion is extending likes to validated as in not fake opinions. Oh, here we go. Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> Fact checkers. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if, you, if, if you accept the nonsense that we tell you, we'll actually trigger a little dopamine. All opinions are fake. Directly, yeah. You count. You caught the mountain, Wampus. All right. Uh, rep- recommendations and referrals supported by micropayments, for example, in the areas of personal finance, health, and jobs. The effect could be having a trusted infrastructure in place for personal finance, health, and jobs. <laughs> Great, your job is on the network. The effect could no. be having a trusted infrastructure in place for sharing sensitive information, eventually with direct links to the brain. Thanks, Uncle Ta-da. Elon. Next generation social networks as a secure access platform could be one of the first implementation steps towards crypto cloud mines. Blockchain so applications could help social network platforms improve their value proposition to consumers through the simultaneous privacy and transparency properties of blockchains. <laughs> <laughs> privacy and transparency. And tra- yes. The two things that they don't have at all, privacy yeah. or transparency. That's beautiful. The contents of transactions remain private, particularly using confidential transactions, which mask user and recipient address and amount transferred, while also transparent in knowing that all participants are using the same system. The shared infrastructure argument holds in that one party does not know how another party is spending its budget, but that the other party is using the same validated budgeting process. The result is that trust is built by participating in a shared rule set environment. This kind of technology-based trust building could be crucial to transhuman futures of multi-species societies of human algorithm and machine. Enough, guys. Machines oh, are not of human species. lawnmower and your hammer. <laughs> lawnmower man. I think I'm in love it. with my toaster. <laughs> you you so, know, in the, in uh, the previous uh, paragraph there, you could see how they were queuing up for the the first digital drug because there's a brain interface, right? So you're like that rat where they kept giving it cocaine, so it just quit eating and yeah. took cocaine till it died. So here, you know, you get a good grade or you get a trusted opinion that's not fake, and you well, get yeah. a kit. You get a no, that's exactly kit. what I, that's exactly what I said a minute ago, uh, Crow. Was that yeah? If you accept their their nonsense, right? If you accept accept their narrative, you get the little dopamine hit. They'll just yep. give it to you directly. 
right? They just trigger that um, in your body. So, okay, now you feel now you feel better. But uh, you know, if you get any, anything that uh, doesn't agree with that, uh, we're we're gonna make you feel bad, right? We're gonna r- rob you of serotonin. Uh, so yeah, we we figured out that if we flash a light exactly three billion one hundred and two times per second, it's the best drug that you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good person. I wear my mask. <laughs> That's basically, no, man, multi-species societies that consist of humans, algorithms, and machines. It's pretty much like, uh, you know, uh, the person, his toaster, and like, you know, his <laughs> shoehorn his, his shoe and, and, and a drawing he that, that he wrote on a little piece of paper, his doodle on his napkin or something. Well, his that would be the equivalent of an algorithm. His electronic date. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, by, by this by this logic if you're in the blockchain and you draw a picture of a stick man he can be your brother there you go <laughs> right exactly because he's got a, he's a mind yeah right so <laughs> probably has the rights of a person let's do one more section here before we sign off political got- and economic implications geopolitical no. reshuffling and crypto secession <laughs> crypto secession i like it Smart network technologies such as blockchain and by implication prototypical cloud mines are being implemented unevenly around the world. Early mover countries are defining their competitive advantage by investing in blockchain deployments. For example, Russia instantiated the registration system for its largest domestic airline, S7, in a blockchain system in 2017 and announced aviation refueling smart contracts with Gazprom in 2018. It is not unimaginable that a crypto cold war could ensue as different countries move ahead more aggressively with blockchain implementations. <laughs> oh, those I, wacky I Russians! Jacket, I'll be okay. So, anyway, I think that's probably a good place to leave it. No, you you got to get down to risks and limitations. It's risks one small paragraph. All right, let's jump down yeah. there. And then we got to do the first sentence in conclusion because that will just wrap it up. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. We'll do that. Two of the biggest potential risks with crypto cloud mines are technical and social, labeled as the EMP and Hello Skynet situations. EMP is the risk of not considering the increasing dependence on technology and the lack of offsetting risk mitigation strategies. Having a response to possible large-scale network failure is necessary. For example, disruption resulting from a natural or malicious electromagnetic pulse, or EMP. Hello, Skynet, is the risk of anticipated backlash from different communities due to an overtly technologized experience of reality. With too much of daily life being controlled by technology. I have that conversation with Crow every single day. Now, <laughs> having a variety of responses and support resources could be crucial to unifying splintering populations and easing the transition to the automation economy. This is particularly true in the wake of the contemporary situation of increasing hours of screen time and decreasing interest in jobs, driving, and dating, together with increasing social isolation and suicide rates, up 25% in the U.S. since 1999. And all of those things by design, I might add. Of course. Conclusion. This essay proposes transhuman crypto cloud mines as a safe way for unleashing (laughs) collective human brain and machine processing power in a distributed computing system. The cloud mind that, resource. That was, that was enough right there. Just it, it's, <laughs> we, we propose it's a safe way. <laughs> Bullshit. Hold, hold on. You left, you left off the best closing sentence. It, 
it appears that in the future the Amish will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and those who find the leftover cocaine that's <laughs> i just hope they find enough of it to do the job right to get their own dopamine hit they don't yeah. need to cri- the uh crypto biocurrency plug-in oh dear the cloud mind resource could be a new form of smart network supercomputer for tackling larger scale problems that have then have been possible to attempt and solve previously there could be two phases in the transhuman future, the surviving and the thriving of a multi-species society comprised of humans, algorithms, and machines. Blockchains are a new form of smart network and global computational infrastructure that could be used to facilitate both phases. Survival and economic sustenance could rely on the blockchain properties of enforcing good player behavior, since all parties have the incentive to stay in good reputational standing to use the smart network infrastructure to conduct their operations. Economic sustenance might further depend on the cooperative ownership of robotic or automated means of production and Maslow smart contracts for professional and personal development. Yeah, that's what we get. It is again. You don't get you don't get your needs covered unless you do what you want. Yeah, for the long. So that's term. how I've come to interpret that uh, Maslow smart contract is that uh, you don't get your basic needs met unless you do what we tell you. Well, they're dragging everybody along with them. They're getting everyone hooked on this technology, or at least probably three quarters or more of the population. I would say. For the longer-term, transhuman vision of thriving by exceeding current physical and mental limitations, crypto cloud mines might provide a safe frontier for joining a collaborative thinking community of human and machine minds. The necessary foundations for crypto cloud mines are twofold. First, could be using next-generation social networks as a possible secure access platform for crypto cloud mines. Second, could be big data algorithmics as the AI-driven instantiation of optimized neural processes to control and optimize brain-computer interfaces, the link between physical brains and internet-based cloud minds, uh, Q, Elon Musk, and Neuralink. Crypto cloud minds could be architected as a blockchain system, meaning that each mind would be a node in the flat hierarchy distributed computing system. This could enable very large scale projects, million mind plus networks. As such, cloud mind networks could operate via consensus algorithm with peer nodes providing services to each other. This could include network security, ledger hosting, transaction confirmation via mining, computation resources, and value-added functionality such as creativity contracts and yes and payment channels for collaborative idea development and intellectual property logging. Smart network field theories defined by technophysics <laughs> technophysics models technophysics. might be used to monitor cloud mines. Oh, I love these terms. The potential impact of this work is that proposing the idea of crypto cloud mines offers a specific transhuman vision and path forward with safeguards that supports the future <clears throat> flourishing of human algorithm and machine. I'm not sure why they're separating algorithm and machine because an algorithm isn't going to run unless it's on a machine. Well, it's the idea uh, of brain and body. Yeah, see that they're they're encoding in an alchemical or an old uh, hermetic type idea here. This is the old science. Uh, there's your trinity. That's your trinity, the body, the mind, and the soul or the spirit. And that's kind of what they're they're looking at here there it's it's their attempt to make artificial life it goes back once again to the idea of the homunculus or the golem 
that kind of thing. This is what they're trying to create to put it back in those alchemical terms or, or back in those occult type terms. This is what it is, but it's with the the techno the technological jargon spin on it. Well, they, that's what they they're hinted talking to about. it, Wayne. They hinted to it at the end of that one paragraph that we breezed by. They said digital entities. Yep. So you know how when you send an email and it comes back a demon. Now think about digital entities. Yep. There you go. Yeah, it, precisely. That that's it in a nutshell, right there. I mean, they just use this language, the the techno physics language, if you will. <laughs> like, it's a very robust language, by the way. But <laughs> anyway, it's it's putting new lipstick on the pig. It's the same I, old thing. I, do you guys really think any of? I mean, it in the future, who knows what's going to happen? But I don't see any of this going down in my lifetime. Not not in the way it's described. Um, but but it does seem as though they'll push it as a, a way to get people to consent to some level of this, some some level of implant. Um, that's, that's the way I'm reading it. If I was going to ask you guys what's the crossover drug, I know what I think it is. It's the one thing that I've already promised I won't do. Um, what's the crossover to get you on this path in terms of technology that you could own right now? Mm. Have to be well, VR, wouldn't it? You would you would think so. The mm-hmm. VR, yeah, yeah. The well, VR maybe that'll be the initial level, but they're talking about getting you jacked in directly. That's, that's yeah. That, they well, mentioned that's that multiple that's times. What I'm saying that's how they normalize it is with virtual reality. I'll never use a virtual reality visor. I'll never put one on my head ever. Um, there, there's where there's where the social contract is written. That yes, I agree to leave any hope of ever reaching reality, and I'm just going to live in illusions for the rest of my days. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see your point there. That definitely the virtual reality is the next big upcoming thing, as far as the technology goes, especially awesome. as far as gaming platforms and stuff like that. Because that's how they'll hook you. They hook us with the entertainment. Our our society is all entertainment based right now. Think about what, that. What is it's the true. goal of VR, though? I mean, if you just define what is the goal of VR, it's to make a synthetic environment that doesn't exist that your brain is fooled into accepting as existing with yeah, spatial, right. with with unlimited spatial areas and, and everything else that goes with it. I just got no time for that crap, man. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I was like, I have no interest in it at all. Like the only the only purpose I could see for that is uh, again a, a gaming situation or um, some sort of you know practical like um, teaching. I mean, for for a while I taught um, drivers education, and they were trying to use um, simulators for it. And um, the simulators did have a purpose, but they also uh, and you could teach certain things with it, but um, there was a, a high uh, percentage of people who would who would make ill uh, because it's trying to create a virtual environment, and your brain is too smart. It knows that it's not real, uh, and many people would get uh, very ill, uh, and that's one of the known um, side effects of it. Uh, no matter how good um, that virtual reality was, whether it is in uh, flight simulators or, in this case, uh, automobile simulators, um, it, it is a certain percentage of people get very ill because uh, it puts them into a, a really bad um, vertigo state. You know yeah. – the, the, the first exposure to the idea we're talking about in VR, uh, when I was young, we went to the Ruben H. Fleet Center in San Diego, and they had this IMAX screen, and they had one of the big cameras that's in IMAX, and like on a helicopter, I imagine it was filmed, and they go over a cliff, and your stomach drops, mm-hmm. because your brain's saying, hey, man, I'm going over a cliff. That bothered me to no end. 
I remember I was young and I was thinking, how is it that I can't look at that and force my brain to understand it's a movie, but yet every time, or they had a roller coaster one too, and you get sick to your stomach, and it just bothered me um, that I did. I had such little control over my eyes and my mind that it would literally make me sick to my stomach. All right, gentlemen, who wants to go first and talk about what's coming up? Um, Crows, like, Crows, the elder statement, elder statesman. Maybe. Sure, we're not going to do rock paper binary. <laughs> <laughs> Non-binary. All right. Well, tonight, um, I don't know, maybe forty minutes after I get off this, I will be launching episode two seventy-eight. Uh, it's a really good one because we got David Avocado Wolf. Um, and by the way, I've added another link in the same way we cover Clive to Carl. If I find people who have health-related products that are par excellence, I'll include a link on my site. There's four of them now. Um, Clive DeCarl has a little crossover with David Wolf Avocado, but there's really a lot of separation because he has things like jungle-grown honey and other healthy food-type things. Um, but it's, it's quite a conversation. Uh, you'll want to catch it, and you'll want to hit the link either on the free episodes. It's an image. Uh, you'll see David Avocado Wolf image on every episode page. Click it and just go check out his site. Um, there's so much stuff that is just top notch. I mean, the best I've ever had. The chocolate alone is, is mind boggling. Yeah, I like David a lot. Great dude. We definitely want to do he more is. with him. Really, really straight nice. Straight shooter. Really nice. Shooter. Yep, really nice fellow. Straight shooter. Definitely knows his shit. I loved that. All right, Baldini, what kind of poppycock you got coming tomorrow? Well, you know, there's poppycock uh, coming up on Thursday with uh, the lovely and talented Rose 777. Uh, comes up early, uh, 6 o'clock on the West Coast and 9 o'clock on the East Coast in the morning on Rose 777 channel. And, of course, uh, I'm back this weekend with three streams, uh, Unintended Consequences, Saturday morning at 9. Uh, that's, again, these are all Pacific times. Uh, Sunday morning, Ancient Wisdom for Modern World at 7. And then at 5 p.m., uh, the uh, lovely and talented Wayne McCroy <laughs> yeah. joins me for another episode of Solo Scriptura. Uh, as we uh, take a look inside uh, scripture. So uh, all over the place as I uh, normally am and trying to get some sleep here and there when I can. <laughs> you got to get a, a bag of uh, cocky popcorn there. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Some some cocky pop. Exactly. And Wayne McCroy, who are you? I think you write books, don't you? Yeah, something like that. I got a new book out right now. It's called uh, Cybernetic Messiah, Building the Antichrist System. That's available now through pretty much just about any uh, book market that there is, any book retailer that there is. Um, I have two other books currently out in circulation, and uh, I occasionally will post things to my own YouTube channel. That's Alchemical Tech Revolution over at YouTube. I haven't been posting as much as I would like, but I, I do what I can when I can. Uh, so there's that. And uh, uh, Steve Mercer just reached out to me this week. Uh, he wants to have me on uh, the show with Robert Phoenix, if anybody's familiar with him. So hmm. I should be coming up uh, recording with him. And, uh, you know, that's, that's about all I got going on right now. Uh, also, I have uh, something coming up uh, with Mark Gray and some other folks, we're going to be doing some kind of a roundtable discussion sometime in January uh, that's with different uh, uh, brilliant people from around the various parts of the world. We're trying to coordinate something together for this roundtable about the uh, COVID uh, thing going on or the, uh, the you know, the, the pandemic, as people would call it. So we're going to have a, a, a little what's round that? Table. I, I haven't heard anything about that. What's what's that about? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> 
We had a chat with a nice person today about that, Crow and I did. And, uh, well, I guess I want to keep my YouTube channel, so I can't say that much. But uh, (laughs) (sighs) We will run it inside baseball, but I've got a hell of a suggestion for Baldini and Wayne. Um, You guys need to get a hold of a book called Meditations on the Tarot. You'll know it's the right book because the afterword is written by... Okay, you guys, for, for your scriptural program, there is so much esoteric knowledge, so well taught. Um, you could you could add so much value to your scriptural show. I'll take a look at it. Have you? Uh, are you familiar with the book called The Greater Trumps? I am actually, but I've never held it in my hand. Yeah. Uh, it's a it was fascinating reading. Um, also based on uh, it's a you know, uh, fiction, but based on uh, tarot and uh, oh, fascinating I reading. I didn't realize that. For people listening, they should know that Trump's is, the original use of that word, is the 22 greater arcana in a tarot deck. That's correct. Um, so those are like the cards that you're used on a James Bond show. You see Death or the Hangman. Those would be knockoffs, not the originals, of the 22 major arcana. Those used to be referred to as Trump's. Now you know something about the use of the name and why The Economist magazine put tarot cards on its cover whenever the hell they did that yeah mm. it's fascinating uh, but uh very very enlightening as a as a short <laughs> bit of fiction uh mm. but uh it, it's an interesting uh, you could you could get through it in any I, I didn't realize it was fiction to be honest with you yeah called the greater trumps and i mean it's just a it's a short uh, book but it's a, a fascinating read um certainly eye-opening in terms of uh, in terms of the arcana and that sort of stuff so 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 michael hoffman is the guy you know the co-author of king kill 33 is the guy mm-hmm. who sent me that book um and if you have a serious interest in scripture and western religious traditions and you're tired of being stuck on the exoteric storylines and who had what color beard and what kind of sandals they wore um this is a good way to start going deeper the important things or what kind of car they drove yeah exactly actually well see jesus didn't he didn't speak of his own accord that's what (laughs) i I know he drove a honda well you know david's triumph was heard throughout the land oh well there you go but jesus said i speak not of my own accord so i know it was a honda i think it was his civic duty okay right. <laughs> that's beautiful the, the, the point is most of us in this part of the world and we are peculiar because no other part of the world acts like this is that we say these magic things i believe in this and we're good to go man we got the golden ticket we're going to see willy wonka um the truth of it is is there's a whole ex- esoteric tradition and it's like everything else in this world you got to work to get better and you got to earn your earn your way um, okay. Let me drop that's everybody's uh, way looking at links here. All right, guys, that's gonna do it. We're a little over time as usual, but so what? All right, everybody, have a great one. We will see you next week. Cheers. Have a great night. Take care.
Oh, too soon.